0: back to the podcast today is all about how to prepare for a trial so this might be academy trials it might be your rtc's and the new version of rtc's that are coming out for the for the girls it might be things like uh, the school ball tr- school board trials and things like that such as Leeds city boys but there's just a few things that we could talk about which might help prepare you as a player or your child where you can talk to them about some of the things to expect because We've just found in the last few weeks that the people that are going for trials are sometimes left a little bit surprised and a little bit shocked in some cases by the environment and what they walk into. I think they're expecting one thing, and sometimes it turns into to quite a different thing that they weren't prepared for. So we'll have a little bit of a chat about that today. What we would say with this, particularly if our members is talk to us, if you need any help in this area, talk to us about it beforehand. Uh, and even if you're not a member and you just want some general advice on it, just you know, pick up the phone or drop us an email, we'll be happy to help. So how we've sort of done it is split it into three, before the trial, during the trial, and then afterwards. Trials are different depending on what you're doing, who, you, who you're who going to. Some will be one-off. So it'll be one-off trials, very much, okay, you've passed this trial, you're moving on to the next one. That You'll see that a lot for things like the school boy trials uh, and a lot of the girls' RTCs as well. You see that a lot. Sometimes you see it with boys' academies. They might get a player in just for a session. That's changed slightly in the last few years, whereby now it's more of a... A six-week block or a half-term block, whatever it might be, something like that. Um, maybe they go into a development centre and these pre-academies now for a few weeks or a couple of months. They're assessed and then they go from there. So that's sometimes a little bit more of a longer, a longer trial. What we'd say before the trial, regardless, you know, that first session, whether it is a six-week block or one-off, is try not to put your player under too much pressure if you're a player listening to this as well try not to put yourself under too much pressure see it as another training session okay you just go in to play some football if you start putting a bit more pressure on then that's when you're gonna have your player trying a little bit too hard or perhaps getting too nervous and not playing their game the reason that they're at this trial if they've been picked up by a scout is because that scout believes they've got something. If it's a case of their open trials and you're taking your child along to to try it, then the last thing that you want to do is for them not to have, not for those, those coaches to not have a fair reflection of your player, of your child. So if you put them under too much pressure and they don't play their game that they play every single week otherwise, then it's a wasted opportunity. So no pressure would be the first thing. It's just another training session. That leads on to their game and what we'd always recommend and certainly if it was if it was my daughter when she's a little bit older it's just to play their game don't try and be something that they're not because they'll get found out further down the line if their game isn't trying to beat three defenders and put it in the top corner then don't try to get them to beat three defenders and put it in the top corner at the trial if they've never done that before if that's not their game if their game is being a great defender good tackles winning the ball playing it that's what they need to do that's their game We'd always recommend just keeping it simple certainly for that first initial period when they get there don't try too much just get the ball and play it do the basics very very well then once they're comfortable that's when they can maybe start showing a little bit more about what you know what they're about essentially so maybe they are a bit of a dribbler maybe after a you know a few touches just to get into it they can then start getting on the ball and doing some of the dribbling bits or whatever it may be showing their speed off whatever But I think certainly initially you just want them to settle into it. The last thing that you want is for them to have a few poor touches in those first five or ten minutes. Certainly when I was a player, when I I was playing matches, those first five to ten minutes were really important for me because if I got my foot down and played and, and kept the ball, that set the tone for the rest of the game for me. And it was the same for a lot of our players. If I tried a bit too much, tried a few long passes, a couple of shots, whatever... And it didn't go according to plan, and I gave the ball away, that's when I'd start trying a bit too hard, and then my game would just plummet. The same is for trials. If you can get on the ball and just play basic, short passing, get it to feet, keep possession, just build up a little bit of confidence in those first few minutes, that will set the tone then for the rest of the trial. Certainly that's how I probably approach it. If it was if it was me trialing or if it was my my children trialling, that's certainly how what I'd be recommending those first those first five or ten um i'd also say control what you can control and what i mean by that is these environments are not nice okay so they're not going to roll the red carpet out to trialists it's not how it's done they're putting you into an environment whereby everybody else regardless of whether they're in the team or not know that you're there to take a place okay so if they don't know you Don't expect them to pass to your player. Expect physicality. We'll talk more about that in a second. Your player is essentially going to have to earn the right to play and they're going to have to show what they can do with knowing the fact that they're probably not going to get a lot of the ball or certainly, you know, they they may not get as as many passes as they do at their grassroots team. At their grassroots team, they might be one of the better players, so therefore the ball will gravitate to them a little bit more. In these environments, everybody's there to impress or some of the players are there already in the, in the team, in the academy, whatever, and they know that th- that your player's there to take their place. So they may not receive the ball as much as they would like or as much as they're used to. So when we say control what you can control, what that means is certainly how much effort they put in, but then it's also looking at things like, okay, I'm not getting a lot of the ball, but what can I do to stand out off the ball The coaches and scouts, if they've got anything about them, will be looking at what you're doing on the ball, but also what you're doing off the ball. When my team's attacking, am I providing an option? When my team's defending, am I getting back in, getting compact and helping out the defence? If I lose the ball, am I running back and am I trying to defend? Am I helping my teammates out? So control what you can control. And the other things that I'd add to that are things like leadership, communication. So you might not be seeing the ball, you might not be having the best of games, but you can always control your voice. So they can control organization. They can control encouragement and praise. It's a brilliant thing. a lot of people you know, people want nice environments, nice, nice teamwork, good teamwork, should I say. So people that uh, players that are encouraging and praising, well done, you know great work, blah, blah blah. That's going to also be noticed. Uh, I think that shows a, go- a good attitude that's an easy thing, they just need to talk, they just need to open the mouth, it shows a bit of confidence as well, which is a key factor, and the other thing I'd say there is is you know, things like making the right runs, I had a player recently working one-to-one, great player, uh, her game was very much, she, she was speedy, and she made some great runs, on a uh, grassroots There they'd find her with, with passes over the top or whatever, at trials she might not get that ball as much, because people are going to possibly hog it a little bit more, but I encourage her to try and make those runs because if it's a good scout or a good coach who's watching, they should see her making those runs and they should know that when, if, she gets into the team playing with better players that will be passing to her because that's what they're going to be, it's a different environment then, they will they will find those runs. So if they see, them, see her making the runs, but it's just a case of the player on the ball's hogged it or isn't good enough to find her, they'll still be looking at that thinking, but what she did off the ball was great. So... Control what you can control and basic things like that are your effort, your voice, the runs that you make. Easy stuff. Easy stuff, regardless of anything else that's going on around you. Um, I I mentioned it there about the passing thing and I'll I'll just talk a little bit more about that. We hear it time and time again. Players go to these trials, whether it be the blocks or the one-offs. Every other parent that that has got a child at that session will have had conversations along the lines of you need to show what you can do. You know, the overzealous parents that we all know and we all sort of, you know, we talk about a lot on this podcast. That, it's not everyone. I'm not going to tarnish everybody with the same brush, but you're going to have a lot of parents that do tell their players to hog the ball, that do tell their players to try, you know, try and impress and try do things that they're possibly not used to doing before. And therefore, that's going to mean your player is going to see less of the ball generally. It doesn't always happen, but it can and I think as long as your player or you listen to this as a player, as long as you're prepared for that then you can deal with it and then it comes down to your player earning the right so are they going and winning the ball are they closing down and, and putting other other players on, under pressure to win the ball back and then they've got the ball themselves they're earning the right to play are they are they making the right run so it becomes an impossibility not to be passed because it's just the right thing for those players on the ball to do but it, it I think if, if your player is is understanding of the fact that, yeah, they might not see the ball as much, that's going to help them get less infuriated and frustrated, which can then lead to a, a bad trial because their head's just going to be in another place. If they know that they're unlikely to get past to as much, they can start dealing with that a little bit more. And that's that's down to you to how you... You know, how you sort of portray that to them. You don't want them to think that it's because they are, they're not good enough. You just want them to understand that they're in a different environment. They're not in their own training session with their friends. These people don't know them. So they're going to have to go earn the right to play. Okay, that comes back down to the effort thing and doing that stuff off the ball that they can control to get the ball themselves and play. Physicality. Physicality. this is this is one that I think does take parents back back a little bit. Let's talk about academies so 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 the, the traditional boys academy your pro clubs they're good players but they're not just good players a lot of the time they are very physical players not in a bad way not in a bad way not all the time certainly but they will go and put their foot in they will go and use their shoulder. They'll go and use their body quite well. Maybe sometimes they will be a little bit late in challenges. It's because they're very competitive. They have a different mentality. Any player coming into that environment needs to be aware of that because, again, that can completely change a trial for a, chi- a, tri- a child. If they're getting knocked about all over the place because and, and they're only used to the niceness of, of a, a grassroots training session with their friends then it's going to it's going to really really impact them in those first sort of 5 10 15 minutes or so they need to be made aware that it could get physical okay and that's not to scare them that's just to make them aware of it and stepping back a little bit from that it might even be that do you want to put your child into that environment and this is not this is not me saying that it's uh, it's world war 3 it's not but they need to be aware that there will be some tasty tackles going in. There will be kids trying to win that ball because they're, they're, comp- they're little competitors. They think they are there for their place. There might only be one or two places in this in this place that you're going to, in this club or whatever that you're going to, and they want that place. They would want to keep the place or they want to get there first. They want, they want to have their name shouted. That Your player needs to be aware that they will probably receive a little bit of argy-bargy. It'll be done nine times out of ten in a fair way, but the gonna at that's going to impact them. Um, looking at the girls' game, for example, a lot of the RTCs, a lot of the you know the, the inverted commas girls academies, they play against boys, whether that be you know, a year or two younger or whatever. But they they play against boys, and naturally then that game's a little bit more physical for them than it would be playing just against girls. So when when it comes to the trial, if the trialists are going against the, 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 the current RTC team that are used to playing against boys and they, they're used to getting stuck in a little bit more. That can take the trialists are back a little bit if 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 they, they you know they see that they're a little bit more physical. But you need to prepare your child for that because it's gonna happen and there aren't any friends. It's as simple as that. It's not a grassroots environment, it's a it's a higher level. It's the next level above, in which case it's a bit more cutthroat, and yeah, they're going to have to go through a little bit of, you know, maybe getting hurt, maybe uh, maybe not being passed to a couple of tasty tackles, whatever it is, that's just going to happen. But the coaches, again, of course, they're not going to allow any any serious foul play deliberately, but they're going to they're going to let things slide a little bit because they want to see how your child reacts to that. Do they throw the toys out of the pram and start stamping the feet? Do they start moaning to referees, to coaches? Um, do they retaliate? You know, it's these things that they're going to watch out for from more from that mental side of things, to see yeah, could they handle the the competitiveness and the environments that they might be going into at these higher levels. So definitely some you know a few things there for you to think about before the trial and just set the scene. It should be an exciting thing and it is, but I think you need to get the best out of it out of these op- these opportunities and. And I think that will come from, from preparing them in the right way without scaring them off. So you know your children better than anybody. That, that, that What we've just said there is, is how you then articulate that to them. So you've then got during the trial. Um, now, way, way back when I was working in the development centre of a, of a club and we used to do trial, uh, six-week trial blocks and things like that. And... We had some great kids and some kids that, you know, thankfully are still are still in, in the academy and so forth and doing pretty well. But what we were also looking at is not just the child, it was also the parent. So I guess the easiest way to say this would be, unless your child is messy, then I don't think you'll get away with acting in a certain way on the sideline and... Um, you know what I mean by there that is is like shouting needlessly aggressive, um all the things that we talk about on this podcast instructing your player what to do from the second they get the ball. If a coach or scout sees that, then that might be the difference between your player getting picked and not, and look at it from a coach perspective if if a coach thinks that your player is pretty good, but parent is just gonna be too much of a pain, then if it's the difference between you've got the same ability as another child who parent isn't like that whose parents just you know allowing them to play and leaving them alone i won't mind betting who's going to get the nod and i think that's probably the best way of, of, of saying that we we had it with with the development center stuff where you know there was a couple of players that you thought yeah you know maybe maybe could be all right but then you look at the parent and think it's it's not going to work um equally it might be that if you if you have got a messy, then yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll, they'll sort of pay lip service to the parent and maybe educate them along the way as to how to behave on the sideline. But that's if you've got a messy. You're going to have the players is going to have to be very very good for them to, you know, for them to, to to give you that nod essentially. So your behaviour on the sideline is important and. You don't want to put them under any pressure, as we said. So the last thing they want to see from your child, that is that your child doesn't want to see you getting animated on the sidelines. They don't want to see you constantly instructing them, telling them what to do. A bit of praise, absolutely fine. You know, well done, good work, whatever, absolutely fine. But our advice would just generally be just be quiet. Just let them play. And I think a lot of the times now you are taken away from uh the pitch in some respects but in, in others you're not and you're there and you're around it but it'd just be a case of let them play and if you not, know, if you're one of those parents that's that knows they can't help themselves i'd leave yourself in the car and do your best just to go on your phone and play some games for a little while whatever you need to do to take your mind off from it but believe us when we say that it, it can be a, it can be a bad thing if you're a parent that um is going to be a little bit overzealous on the sideline shall we say they will, you probably, your child's probably not going to get much by way of, of coaching. So certainly for the one-off trials, but then sometimes even during these, these block trials, there's sometimes less coaching. It's more putting on activities and seeing how children react to them. And um, it could be infuriating for parents because I think they're come into these environments and believe that the child should be coached. But, sometimes it's just a case of the coaches putting on activities that are going to test different things and they want to see how the children react to it so they might give them a few pointers here and there but they want to understand their decision making do they get this do they understand what to do do they make the right decisions without me having to tell them that's important so don't be too disheartened if you don't get too much feedback it's just sorry too much coaching should I say it's it's just sometimes how it's done particularly with the one off trials so at the time of recording now we're in June there's a lot of, of trials for the RTCs for the girls these are one off trials you're not gonna probably have any coaching points in those things it's gonna be a case of what positions do you play off you go so definitely definitely prepare yourself for that and don't be disappointed afterwards if you don't get much by way of coaching points and so forth and leading on from that feedback it's unlikely you'll be given any specific feedback there's uh, a few years ago there were a few reasons that came out for that and I think it is because you know I I think in a nutshell football so subjective everybody's got an opinion on it the coach's opinion of your child's performance on that day might differ very 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 much from your opinion of their performance or your opinion of them generally so I think it's just a case of a blanket thing whereby it's a thanks but no thanks and you Know we'll, we'll be in touch in some cases, they'll say we'll come back out and watch your player over the course of a few weeks in grassroots and whatever, fine. Uh, and you might get one or two points, but just prepare yourself and your player for the fact that you might not get that. So, you know, that's that's just how it seems to be. And we got you can like that or lump that essentially. Um, afterwards, afterwards I think personally, it's, it's just about praise. Um, you know did you do your best did you give you know are you happy with your performance a few a few questions around you know what did, what could they have done better anything that you do differently next time just to, particularly if they've got a few trials coming up it's it's good for them to reflect on it a little bit but getting on them if they've had a bad time is not it's not going to help them it's not going to help them at all so it's plenty of praise you know well done and even to get to this point is fantastic or fair play to you for putting your name forward to go here these sorts of things. But but definitely get them to reflect on it. I think that's never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing after a match um, or, or a training session even. It's good for them to understand and them to think, well, what did I do well? What could I have done better? What might I do differently next time? Because they'll just start thinking about things. That helps their learning. So we've spoke about that before as well. But definitely have a little chat to them about those sorts of things. And then await the decision. You might get the decision there and then. You might get it in a, in a couple of weeks, whatever. Good or bad. It's all experience and that's the thing for them to understand is that this is all about learning. It's either learning and then taking that and then moving to the next level or it's learning and okay, next time I get an opportunity like this, I know that I'm going to do X, Y and Z. So that's what we do after after the uh, the trial. The other, I guess a little bit of an extra point here, and we're probably going to do a podcast on this separately, but it would be about positions and We're big believers in in children playing a multiple variety of positions because from a game intelligence point of view, from a technical point of view, we think it develops them more than if they just put into one particular, pigeonholed into one particular position from seven years old to 16. Now, if your child is used to playing different positions or is comfortable playing different positions, you can use that. Or they can use that to their advantage when it comes to the trials. So, uh, I read a great thing recently about Casemiro, who uh, the Real Madrid midfielder, defensive midfielder. I think he's won, it might be five Champions Leagues, um, whatever he's done. But he's you know he's playing at the top top level. He was at Sao Paulo as a youngster, and he went there on trial. Three hundred kids, he went there as a striker, and he tells this great story that when the uh, the coaches said, right, who plays up front, who plays striker. 50 50 odd hands went up okay who plays forward attacking midfielder another 50 hands went up who plays defensive midfielder eight hands went up and when he sussed that he stuck his hand up for the defensive midfield role because obviously he was a good player and he knew he could probably do that position and it it, would be seen a little bit more and there's less competition so you can use those sorts of things to your advantage and this will be something I speak about as well I remember when I trialled for uh, for our college team and I was a a right back at the time but I knew that there was there was certainly one and and possibly two right backs trialling that were very very good that I played against in grassroots in my younger years and you know from a from a selfish perspective, I was thinking, okay, well, what, what, what can I do here? This it might come down to me being better than I'm on the day. Can I... Um, I should I should maybe have backed myself, you know. People might say that. Like, you should maybe have backed yourself a little bit and gone there. But in my mind, I thought, well, if I can play... If I can tell these guys I can play two positions, that's hopefully going to open up a few more doors for me. So I put down on my form that I could play right-back or left-back. Uh, at the time, it was when there was just a... <laughs> very few left footed players in England it seemed so the competition at left back was far less I was right footed but I just spent a summer with a ball against the wall getting used to hitting it with my left foot I trialed and I got into the team played a year at left back uh, I then went, went to my normal position after that but it it opened up more opportunities for me and so what I'm getting at with this is that if your player can play a, a multitude of positions if they're, if they're if their if their main position's maybe a striker, but they'd also be pretty good on the right wing, then maybe it's maybe put two positions down. If that's what the trial's about, if it is a trial where you know you put into positions, if it's a trial where they're just going for six weeks and they're put into different roles, fine. But if it's one of those where you've actually have to, got to give them a position, then offering up a couple of options can be, you know, can be a way through. And then they've got once they're in that team, once they're in that squad, that's when they, that's when they can show what they can do in uh, in other positions as well so a bit of a caveat there but that's just uh, maybe a maybe a little tip a little uh, a little hack maybe but hope that all makes sense and as we always say and as i said at the start of the, sh- of, the uh, of the podcast if you need any help in this certainly our members come and talk to us but it is it's just another training session it's it's a good opportunity they should be taken seriously if you are going for a trial that's what it's about but there's ways and means of of them getting the most out of it and doing themselves justice and hopefully some of those points there will help you navigate it Uh, it can be tricky it can be stressful it can be upsetting uh, but equally it can be amazing so good luck to anybody listening to this that is trialing and as I say for those parents that just do want a little bit of uh, help and assistance you know where we are thank you for listening and we'll speak to you again soon